This homily is based mostly on Psalms 42 and 43, so you may want to turn to page 643 in the Book of Common Prayer so that you have them before you. We know almost nothing personal about the prophet Haggai. His name is tied to a three-letter root that means to make a pilgrimage, which may be significant since he wrote about restoring the temple in Jerusalem after the long Babylonian exile. We don't have his call narrative. We don't know where he's from or how he came to speak for God. But, and this is also unusual, we know exactly when this series of four oracles was written, between August and December in the year 520 before the Common Era. They are addressed, as you heard, to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people who had returned from exile and who were engaged in the reconstruction of the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Did you hear the word construction in there? <laughs> we can assume all the stresses and strains that usually accompany the process of construction in a community. Moreover, Haggai is especially concerned with the generation of the people over 73 years old. They are the ones who can still recall the beauty and the majesty of the first temple, Solomon's temple. And they are grieving all over again because the new temple being constructed is so much less grand than the older one. Haggai writes an encouraging word to the leaders and to the remnants of the people. Take courage, he says. The Lord is with you. The Lord says to you, I am with you, and promises you that the splendor of this house, this temple, shall be even greater than that of the former temple. Haggai's generation did not see that happen, but God's promise came through when Herod the Great made the temple in Jerusalem one of the wonders of the ancient world. It was, as they say, worth waiting for. But the people were going through a hard time in the process of all that construction. In our gospel lesson for today, Jesus too seems to be going through a difficult time, a period of self-doubt or doubt about whether he was getting through to the people around him. What are they saying about me? He says to his disciples. What's the word on the street about who I am? They give him various answers. John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the ancient prophets, risen. And you, Jesus says, what are you saying about me? He seems especially vulnerable, unsure of his disciples. Are they getting it? Do they understand what he's doing? Peter answered, Peter's answer, the Messiah of God, does not seem to reassure Jesus the way it does in Matthew's version of this story. Instead of stating that he will construct his church on this rock, Jesus commands them not to tell this to anyone and predicts intense suffering ahead, rejection by the religious leaders and his own death and his resurrection. 
And should we talk about Brexit confusion and the start of an impeachment investigation of our president and the completely inadequate response of world leaders to the pleas of the young people who are going to have to live in this world that we are trashing to do something about the environment now before it is too late? It is a scary, worrying, and depressing time. The church needs to be able to talk about depression, despair, and the hard tasks of waiting for things to get better or to get finished or simply surviving a difficult period in our lives, what the mystics called a dark night of the soul. Our healing ministry deals not only with maladies of the body, but also with troubles of the mind and of the spirit and of the soul. Yes, we do deal with difficulties brought on by sin. The church offers repentance and a new start that is so important for healing. But the church also provides encouragement when things are just hard to bear, when it seems like bad luck or trouble just keeps coming for no reason at all. Why does this go on and on? How am I going to make it through this difficult time? And where is God in all this? It's times like that when we can appreciate the great gift of the Psalms. Psalm 43, our psalm for today, is not a unit in itself. It takes only a minute or two to realize that Psalms 42 and 43 were written together originally. Look at the refrain that occurs three times in these two psalms. At, at Psalm 42, verses 6 and 7. Again, at Psalm 42, verses 14 and 15. And then in our psalm for today, 43, verses 5 and 6. The same refrain. Why are you so full of heaviness, my soul? And why are you so disquieted within me? Put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to him who is the help of my countenance and my God. This refrain, as you hear, is in two parts, two voices. The psalmist speaks to his or her troubled soul, appreciates the feeling of heaviness, and allows that depth of feeling to be expressed, that disquiet, that uneasiness, that sense that something is not right, not good, not healthy, not the way it is supposed to be. It's okay to feel that. It's okay to say that. It's good to speak it. And then the psalmist, drawing perhaps from another part of the resilient self, or perhaps it is the voice of a spiritual counselor, gives advice to the weary soul. Put your trust in God. Even in the midst of trouble or confusion, even in the midst of impatience and longing, the soul can learn how to say, I will yet give thanks to the one who is my help, and who is the help of my countenance and my God. Some of you will know Herbert Howell's beautiful musical interpretation of these psalms, 
written after the death of his son, a way of dealing with his own grief and pain. But whether you sing the psalms or say them, they are there for you, like a rest stop in the wilderness, an oasis in the desert, a cool drink of water on a hot, thirsty day. Part of the wisdom of a church leader is the ability to know when to take a break, when to ask for spiritual advice or counseling from a trusted friend, and when to spend time in deep prayer to God about a matter of the heart or soul. If this is where you are, don't assume that you are somehow supposed to manage it by yourself or that it's a sign of weakness to get help from some other person. We all need to lean on each other as well as putting our trust in God to move through life's difficult situations and challenges. And don't be surprised if your spiritual friend says to you, take two psalms and call me in the morning. <laughs> it may be the best prescription ever to be reminded that depression and spiritual fatigue are nothing new and not specific to you personally. It's normal, it's natural, and the church has time-tested remedies for a dark night of the soul. Why are you so full of heaviness, O oh my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to God, who is the help of my countenance and my God.